0: Lord Jesus, I am up here because of you. So I pray that your Holy Spirit will be uh, within me, that you would use these words that I wrote down to encourage your people and to encourage myself, Lord. Um, I pray that you would take anything away that's not supposed to be here and that you would add to it as well. Um, I pray this in your name, Jesus, amen. Good morning, Bell Prez. My name is Anthony Ballard. I'm on staff here at this church. Um, Back in April some of the pastors and staff had a meeting to discuss this summer's sermon series uh, titled Nevertheless, which is the story of Habakkuk. And I wasn't raised Presbyterian, so I don't know if you know this, but Presbyterians like to plan way ahead, like sometimes even a year and a half in advance. Um, Pastor Dudley had decided that we would look at the book of Habakkuk uh, to see how we could have hope in God in a time when everything around us looked bad. But our thinking at the time was mostly focused on COVID-19. We didn't expect that the next two months would bring, would shine a spotlight on racial injustice, that it would bring civil unrest and protests and riots and violence and sweep our nation um, on top of living in a global pandemic. But God knew this. And that may sound cliche, but the fact is Habakkuk's story actually is more relatable when you add more problems. As we learned last week, Habakkuk with the, um, was going through this personal struggle. He was trying to believe that God is good when all he sees is injustice around him. And there was violence everywhere. And then worse, it was happening from amongst his own people. And so he does something interesting. He complains to God and he asks God to help to do something about it. But God's response is actually shocking because God basically says that he's going to bring more trouble to Israel. And so he says, I'm bringing the Babylonians to bring down my justice on these people. And Habakkuk is just like, what? You're going to use the Babylonians? These are like the worst people ever. They're actually worse than we are. And so this is the equivalent of God saying that the LA Clippers are going to destroy the LA Lakers for the next five years and you just have to sit there and watch it. (laughs) And as a Laker fan, that is really bad news. But that's why the book of Habakkuk is more relatable with not one, but two global problems. The more problems we have, the more of God that we need. And so this book, it does not solve the problem of evil and injustice in our world. But it does affirm one thing, and that is that God has not lost control and that he cannot let evil win. And so Habakkuk did three things that I wanna look at. And one, uh, one was that he was a man who complained well. And then two, he listened intently. And three, he trusted that God would complete the work against injustice. And so I wanna encourage you that if you're gonna complain to God, You need to do a really good job at it. Um, A friend of mine was going through a difficult season, and she was talking about the emotional pain that she was going through and that she was feeling at the time. And we had this moment in our conversation where she said, you know, I'm mad at God right now, and I just don't want to talk to him. And then she paused and said, you know, I know that doesn't sound very Christian, but it's true. That's how I feel. But I actually encouraged her to continue to be candid with God, Uh, because that's what we see throughout the Bible. Don't avoid God, go to him, let him know your troubles. And so in chapter one, when we read Habakkuk's complaint to God, we see that he doesn't mince his words and he demands an answer from God for the unfairness that he sees all around. Habakkuk was unique among the prophets because he doesn't accuse the people of Israel of their sin. He doesn't go to them and tell them how bad they are. Most other prophets did this, but not Habakkuk. He actually goes directly to God and only to God. His first instinct wasn't to go to people or to friends or family to complain uh, because when you do that, there's a chance that people won't want to listen because they're going to hear you whining and, just, and you're going to sound like a, a whiny person. But God can actually handle that. Um, and so Habakkuk draws God's attention to the injustice because he knows that he's the only one that can actually do something about it. I think Habakkuk is the Bible's example of someone who wants to speak to the manager all the time. So if you work at a restaurant, this is not the guy that you want to sit in your serving section because he will want to speak to your manager if something's not right. But again, Habakkuk complained well because he knew God's character. And when you're in real trouble, you have to know who God is and what he's capable of, capable of doing, and then you can call him on it. And so there's that famous quote that says, don't tell God the size of your problems, but tell your problems the size of your God. And in verse 12 of chapter 1, when he's making his second complaint, Habakkuk calls out God's omnipotent power by saying, Lord, are you not from everlasting? He makes similar claims throughout the chapter, basically to say, like, aren't you all powerful? Aren't you all knowing? Can't you fix this with ease? And then if you scan the Bible, you'll see that the people in it who were either sad, angry, or depressed always called out God's character of greatness, his attentiveness, and they were reminding him of his mighty acts that he had done before while they were asking for help. And Habakkuk, he doesn't belittle God in the process of complaining. He still speaks to him, of him, as holy, as mighty, and he makes God big. And so when you're complaining, you need to make God big. Some examples might be, aren't you the God who split the Red Sea? Aren't you the God who brought water from a rock? Aren't you the God that helped David kill Goliath? I need that God right now in this problem that I'm in. And even if you don't know the Bible well, uh, use what little you do know. And I don't care if you've only seen a couple episodes of VeggieTales, use that as your uh, basis. And that may sound goofy, but the reality is, VeggieTales was made to help people learn Bible stories. So use what you got, and God will know what you mean. So we make God big by reminding him of what he's done before. And really what that means is is reminding us of what he's done before. And so after Habakkuk's second complaint, he says this. He says, I will stand at my watch. I will station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he, that is God, will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. And then Habakkuk goes on this uh, nightly breeze walk uh, to stand on top of a watchtower. And I really like this part because I feel like it's really dramatic and kind of emo even. <laughs> like, he's just so like in anguish that he had to do that. And, but he knew how to sell it, right? And so I think be dramatic with God and complain well. Um, while Habakkuk was waiting on that watchtower though, um, god's god 's response is important for god 's response it 's so important because he did something few of us do when we 're praying, and that is that he listened so he stopped talking and he listened to God intently and he listened desperately, which is point number two a few months ago, I was talking to someone on staff here, and i 'll call him Daniel Bates because that 's who it actually was. Um, Daniel was telling me how he started practicing to more in his prayer time to listen to God and to write down God's response in his prayer. And in fact, he took it as far as most days to only let God talk. And he told me, when you go to dinner with someone who's older and wiser than you, you shouldn't do all the talking because you're there to learn. Yet for some reason, when we talk to God, uh, we expect him to be quiet and just do what we want. And honestly, that's wrong. At some point, we got to be quiet. By not listening to God uh, and praying, we're actually missing out on the fullness of him. Um, He's not some genie that grants prayers and does everything that we want, but he has things to say. He has exciting things to reveal for our lives and for our world. And so Habakkuk was good at letting God talk. And if you look at the layout of the first two chapters of Habakkuk, um, his first complaint was three verses long. And then God replied to that with seven verses. And then Habakkuk's second complaint was for six verses. And then God replied to that with 19 verses. Now, how many of us talk for 19 verses and let God talk for only three? (laughs) That, if that's you, that has to change. So while Habakkuk waited for an answer, we see in chapter 2, verse 2, the Lord replied, write down the revelation, and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. This particular time, God wanted Habakkuk to write down his response. And so, Belprez, we are actually going to practice this. For the next week, I want to challenge you, that's everyone watching, whether you're a kid or an adult, to write down the words you hear God saying to you. And try to do this as best you can to let him do most of the talking. So if you pray for 30 minutes... Make five of those minutes your words, and the rest should be what you write down from God. And I know, 30 minutes is probably sounding like a long time for a lot of you, so if try 10 minutes. But I want to really challenge you to go for 30, because this is the Lord who created the universe that we're going to be talking to. Why would you want less time with him? I don't know. So remember, this is an exercise. It won't be easy at first, but it will be worth it. So be intentional. So here are some things to pray and ask God for. God, what do you want next for my family? God, what do you want next for my life? How do you want me to prepare for the next six months? How do you want me to bring your justice in my community or workplace? And so Daniel told me that sometimes his only opening lines of prayer in the morning were good morning, God, and that's it. And then he would start writing from there. So another thing, how do I know when it's God's voice? Here are four thoughts. There can be more, but these are some solid four. So one, test it with the truth of Scripture. God will never say anything to you about anything that contradicts who he reveals himself to be in the Bible. Ever. God's voice brings transformation. When he speaks, you'll feel what he says. It's not information Information is just informing, but revelation is transforming. And it may not be words, but a picture. God spoke frequently through visions in the Bible. And if you're able, draw it or paint it out. And if not, just describe it. And then the last one, be open to hear anything. God's first reply to Habakkuk was not what he was expecting or even wanted to hear, and so remember, God is not a genie. He doesn't grant wishes, but he, gives us, he doesn't give us everything we, we want, but he does take us where we need to be. So, Bill Press, please, will you try this for a week with me? I'll be doing it with you, and I want to encourage you to share what you hear with, uh, with a good friend. Um, they can help you understand things that you may be a little unsure about. And so remember, it's an intentional practice, like Habakkuk, Go to your watchtower, whatever that is, whether it's a room or your backyard or uh, just your car even, and wait for the Lord's response, but have your pen and paper ready to write down the revelation. And so I said it earlier, and I'll say it again. The book of Habakkuk assures us of one overwhelming truth, and that is no matter how bad things get in the world, and no matter how bad it gets, God has not lost control and he cannot let evil win. So Habakkuk's complaining led to his listening. Then that led to the revelation that God would bring justice to the world. So the third thing I wanted to share that from Habakkuk was, God will complete the work against injustice, but we have work to do ourselves. So when, when framed in the context of the past two months Uh, Habakkuk reads much more poignantly than it did in April. Uh, The more problems we have, the more of God we need. And so when our biggest obstacle was only facing COVID-19, the word we really needed to hear at that time was, be still and know that he is God. But after the killings of Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, and now Elijah McClain and, and many others, and riots on top of that, and looting just down the street from the church, we're in a time when we need Habakkuk-style prayers. And so there are people who are praying, how long, O Lord, must I cry out to you violence, but you do not save? There are Christians whose prayers sound like Habakkuk-style prayers because they're facing COVID-19. And many black American Christians are praying Habakkuk-style prayers right now because of the racial injustice they're experiencing and they're seeing. My family is praying Habakkuk-style prayers right now. I'm, in my job here at Belprez, I've been praying Habakkuk-style prayers. I've been getting asked the question a lot, Anthony, what will reconciliation look like? And how do we know when we've done it? And the truth is, no one really knows what that looks like. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we're going to stop pursuing it. God gives, us two import- God gives us two important statements to hope in. He says the righteous will live by faith and the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. So as Christians, we have hope not just that change will come, but we have hope that perfection will come through Jesus Christ. And so many of you know that at Bellpress we are a church that stands for racial justice and reconciliation. And we want to do this in a third way, which means that it won't look Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative but it will look like Jesus. And so I've been praying and asking God, what does the third way look like? And I keep hearing, look to Jesus. And so I did that. And when I look at Jesus, I see that in Matthew chapter eight, he ministered to, and gave the highest praise to the centurion who was a police officer of his day. And at the same time, he defined his ministry as being for the oppressed and to set prisoners free in Luke chapter four. And not only that, Jesus healed one of the men that came to arrest him in Luke chapter 22. And not only that, while hanging on the cross, Jesus promised a robber who was a looter of his day that they would be in paradise together in Luke chapter 23. And I see throughout the whole Gospels that Jesus' followers expected him to lead an uprising that would throw, overthrow the Roman ruling occupation. But instead, Jesus directs them towards uh, his, his true rule, which is in the kingdom of heaven, in a kingdom that cannot see decay or be corrupted or be overthrown. And like, when I read that, I'm like, who is this guy? You know, we can't put him in a Republican box, a Democrat box, no matter how hard we try. And it gets frustrating sometimes because I know we want him to fit in our, into our ideas, but it's really us who needs to fit into his. And so I really want to encourage you, don't mistake this for him being neutral. Jesus actively loved, he actively ministered and pastored all, very specifically. And that is our role as Christians for such a time as this. 1 Corinthians nine three nine tells us, we are co-laborers with Christ, which means we partner with him in the work to do justice and bring reconciliation. There are things we can do here and now on earth that can make measurable measurable progress. And there's healing that we can make happen here, but it's going to be him who ultimately completes the job. So this is going to be a long marathon. It's going to be uncomfortable, but Jesus doesn't promise us easy. He promises victory. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation, make it plain on tablets, so that a herald may run with it for the revelation awaits an appointed time it speaks of the end and will not prove false though it linger wait for it it will certainly come and will not delay see the enemy is puffed up his desires are not upright but the righteous person will live by his faith so the unity the wholeness and the justice that we are looking for in our world it will come though it linger wait for it. Just as Habakkuk learned, God sees injustice and he responds to it. And he responds to it in the person of Jesus Christ. And I'll close with this. As a kid, my mom would, uh, she'd be gone for the day. She'd call home and ask me to take out the chicken from out of the freezer, to defrost it, so that by the time she got home, she could cook it and we could have dinner. And that was my job, just to take the chicken out the freezer and defrost it. And it was important that I listened and obeyed my mom because if I didn't take the chicken out the freezer, dinner would be delayed. And for some reason, there were many times when I would not take the chicken out the freezer because I'd be watching TV, playing with friends, or I just wouldn't, I would be distracted. But if I did my part, we would all eat when she returned home without any unnecessary delays. And the food would be really good, too, because my mom can really cook. (laughs) But I absolutely needed to defrost the chicken before we could eat. And our roles as Christians is that. For such a time as this, the pressure, we don't have to worry about the pressure of completing uh, racial justice and reconciliation, because Jesus will do that. But our job is to do something. It is to take the chicken out the freezer and defrost it. So when he comes back, he'll provide the feast. We set the table and we can have confident hope, like Habakkuk did, that God is going to prepare a feast greater than anything we can imagine. And that is called the Wedding Supper of the Lamb. And that is the good news that we have. So, Lord Jesus, I pray for this church, Bellevue Presbyterian, Lord, that we would be people that listen to you in our prayers, that we would uh, complain to you well when we have problems, Lord that we would uh, listen to your word, to your revelation, God, that you have for us. God, I pray that we would be uh, steadfast as we pursue justice, as we do justice and pursue reconciliation, Lord. Be with us uh, from the youngest person to the oldest in our congregation, God. Use this church in our community on the east side in Seattle to bring your healing, Lord. And we wait for you to do the ultimate job and finish this work that we long to see done in our world. In Jesus' name.